everyone follows someone. Everyone sitting here in the auditorium, everybody watching in the video cafe, everybody watching online, everyone follows someone. Everybody follows some belief system created by someone. And you may be following the belief system your parents gave you. It may be a belief system you got from your grandparents. Uh, maybe you're following a TV talk show host that you appreciate. Maybe you're following uh, a, a belief system maybe that your friends help you put together. Maybe you're following a, a college professor who influenced you in a profound way. And then maybe you've sort of pieced together various beliefs and you're following your own system and so in essence you're following yourself. <laughs> but everyone follows someone. And this belief system that you're following, it is influencing how you think, how you process light, the decisions you make, where you go in life, and how you act and live. And throughout this series, I've been uh, leading us to explore Jesus' invitation for people to follow him. And we've seen that Jesus invited all kinds of people to follow him with all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of baggage. He invited people who were sinners to follow him. He invited unbelievers to follow him. He invited people with doubts, people with questions. He invited religious people to follow him, and he invited non-religious people to follow him. So whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I want you to know you can follow Jesus. Because following Jesus is not about what you've done or where you've been. It's not about what you're doing and where you are. It's about turning toward Jesus and taking the next step of faith in him. And throughout this series, I, you know, we've been unpacking what it means to follow him, but today I want us to look at what happens when people unfollow Jesus. Did you know you can unfollow someone? Have you ever unfollowed someone? I mean, if you're in social media, I'm, I'm assuming you've un unfollowed someone, maybe lots of people. Like, okay, you know the person who posts way too much? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care what you had for breakfast. Click, unfollow. Oh, I'm that way. And, and like, you know, sometimes you unfollow because they're, uh, what their posts are too political or they're too pushy or they're too preachy or sometimes they get too emotional. And I'm just like, look, I didn't get on social media to be your therapist. Get a life. <laughs> yeah, your pastor's a real sensitive guy. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, have you ever unfollowed someone? Have you ever unfollowed someone that had a belief system attached to it? Okay, so like when I um, moved back to San Antonio, I was a pastor in Virginia for seven years and I moved uh, back here 21 years ago. And I was looking forward to moving back to San Antonio because uh, both my mom and Barbara's mom are great cooks, especially desserts, and I love desserts. And growing up, I, I just had one of those metabolisms where I could just eat as much as I wanted whenever I wanted, and I just loved it. And uh, anyway, so we moved back, and after about a year, I gained a lot of weight. Even though I was working out, I gained over 25 pounds. And it didn't really hit me until I had to go buy jeans that actually fit. <laughs> and so I bought jeans, and for the first time in my life, I had to buy jeans where the waist was bigger than the length. And then my dad told me, I was talking about my, my new, new jeans I bought, and he told he told me, son, I didn't weigh that much when I was your age. And I was like, okay, this doesn't work for me. And so I started looking for someone to follow. 
I started looking for a, like a dietary figure, an expert to follow so I could, you know, get my weight down. And so, I, you know, I did some research and looking around and I ended up landing on Dr. Atkins. Uh, he had a, it's like a low carb, low sugar uh, kind of dietary plan. And, and so I decided to start following Dr. Atkins. And amazingly, after about four months or so, I dropped the 25 pounds, got back to my original weight. And of course, I threw those genes away uh, for motivation. And, uh, uh, and so can I just say that I became a believer in Dr. Atkins. But how many of you know you can believe in someone but not follow him? So periodically, I, I would give myself like De December off, like where I would intentionally unfollow him during December, because you know, that's when all the great Christmas stuff is, is out. And so uh, I remember one Christmas in particular, I decided to track everything I ate uh, just, just for fun. And so uh, one Christmas, this is what I ate. Uh, five dozen cookies, five bags of chips, three boxes of candy, I love candy, uh, two chocolate pies, banana pudding, cherry pie a la mode, brownies, cheesecake, a case of sodas, fruit breads, pancakes, cinnamon rolls, biscuits, and eggnog. Yeah, I was a believer in Atkins, but I certainly wasn't following him. And guess what happened when I unfollow, unfollowed Atkins? Yeah, I gained the weight back. <laughs> and, you know, obviously I'm not really that concerned about which dietary figure you follow but I am concerned about you following Jesus. And there's a question I think that every one of us has to answer related to following Jesus because every one of us, like if you're following Jesus now, every one of us who is following Jesus at somewhere along the way in our journey, we will feel tempted to unfollow Jesus. And maybe you've unfollowed Jesus before. In fact, maybe you're thinking about unfollowing Jesus now. And there's a question I want you to consider if you're thinking about unfollowing Jesus. It's a question that surfaced uh, with Jesus among his closest followers. So let me set up the scene. Jesus has just performed a very powerful miracle. He's fed 5,000 people, really over 5,000 people, with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And the people who experienced that miracle were so pumped by what they saw, I mean, they got to actually experience this miracle themselves. They knew what he had and they couldn't believe he could feed them all. They were so excited that they decided that they wanted to make Jesus the king of Israel right now. And so they were ready to like put him on their shoulders, take him to Jerusalem, because they figured, Jesus, if you can do that, you can kick the Romans out of our land and give us our country back. And so they were gonna take Jesus by force and make him king. Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking, what they were talking about doing, and so that night he got on a boat and he sailed across the Sea of Galilee to another city, Capernaum, because he knew it wasn't the right time and the right way for him to be the king of kings. And so he got away from the people. Well, the next morning, the, the people who woke up realized Jesus had left. They, they asked some questions, found out what city Jesus went to, and a lot of these followers got on boats and they followed Jesus to Capernaum. Sort of interesting. And, and when, they, when they arrived, Jesus could tell, oh, these are some of the same people I left that I, had, I fed. And he realized something about those people. They were chasing after him, not because of who he was, like what the miracle revealed about who he was. He was chase, they, they were chasing after him because they got free food. <laughs> sort of like that, 
that roommate, that college roommate that was a moocher of all your food, you know? Didn't you have one? I had one of those. They were there for what they could get, not for who Jesus was. And so he decided he wanted to teach them something a little bit more about who he was. So that Saturday in that city of Capernaum, uh, which is the day that Jewish people worshiped on, he went into the local synagogue, which is where they gathered, the building where they gathered, and he decided to use bread that he had fed them as a metaphor to picture who he is. And so if you have this scene, they're in, they're in a synagogue, a worship gathering. There's all these crowds that have been following Jesus, so they're there. There's also another group of people that are there. They're Jewish religious leaders, and our text will call them the Jews. That's sort of how they were identified. First, Jesus speaks to the crowd, and he presents this metaphor. This is John 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For I have come down from heaven. That phrase is very important. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So Jesus is saying, you know that miracle you experienced, the, the bread that filled you up? Well, it only filled you up for a day, right? And then the next day you're hungry and you wanted me to feed you free food again. And so you came here. Well, I wanna, I've got a kind of bread that is better than physical bread. And he, so he's talking about a spiritual kind of nourishment, a spiritual kind of bread that can fill you up where you'll never be hungry in, in that spiritual way again. But he started to throw the people off. They were like, hmm, you're the bread of life? That's sort of weird. And you came down from heaven? I mean, that's sort of weird, right? And so the, the Jewish religious leaders asked him a question. Uh, this is verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So these Jewish religious leaders are saying, wait a minute, Jesus. We know your dad, Joseph, and your mother, Mary. How can you say you came from heaven? You came from them. And, and what they're talking about is very important because where Jesus came from determines who he is. If Jesus merely came from Joseph and Mary, then he's just a man. He might be a great moral teacher. He might be a great prophet. He might be even a great miracle worker, but he's still just a man. But if he came from heaven, and you understand that means he existed before he was born, if he came from heaven, then he is the son of God. And if he's the son of God, who else would you want to follow? Well, the, the questions of the religious leaders made things sort of tense, you can imagine. You know, they're questioning his lineage. And, uh, and of course, the people were sort of thrown off by what he said, and, and it was a little bit weird. Well, what Jesus says next in his sermon gets weirder and weirder. Are you ready? This is verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. There's that phrase again. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. (laughs) Did you know Jesus said stuff like this? I mean, don't you imagine that this is when parents who had little kids were taking their kids out of the uh, gathering and taking them into the kid's city, right? I mean, the, par- the parents had to be freaking out. What's he- He's talking about drinking somebody's blood, eating their flesh. That sounds like cannibalism. What's going on here? What is Jesus saying? The- Remember, it's the metaphor. And he takes the metaphor of the bread. Now he says, this bread, it's my body, my flesh and blood. And Jesus makes two profound promises about his body and our lives. First, he says, he will give his flesh for the life of the world. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is prophetically referring to his impending death on the cross, where he did give his life, he gave his flesh and his blood on our behalf. And we believe that through the blood that he shed on the cross, every stain of sin is washed away. We believe through his broken body, every sin that we've ever done, the sin debt has been paid for through him. And then Jesus says, he gives a second promise. He says he will raise them up on the last day. What's that about? He's saying that if you look to me and believe, I will give you eternal life. And in the same way that I will come back to life, I will be risen from the dead, I will raise you up too. And what I want us to notice, uh, notice in the verse, Twice he says, whoever, whoever accepts this bread, whoever eats my flesh, this is a whoever promise. That means there's no restrictions. There's no limitations. And I know some of you, you've been wondering about that. Because what Jesus says here means there's no one excluded from these promises. No matter how much you have sinned, no matter how long you have sinned, no matter how big your sins are, you are a whoever And if you will look to him and believe, your sins can be forgiven and you can have eternal life. And that's what the the people were picturing here through their baptism. Baptism pictures, because of our faith in Jesus, the washing away of our sins and a new birth to a new life. And it's why, this, this truth is why churches like City Church are so important. We like to call ourselves a messy church because we understand that people will Come be a part of us and join us for the journey of following Jesus before they've gotten their act together, before they even know what they believe yet. And so they may have some messiness in their lives, just like I've had messiness in my life. And we just say, great, you're welcome here. No matter what messes you bring, we're a bunch of messy people all trying to follow Jesus together. Well, the people in the synagogue were getting a little bit weirded out about all of this drinking my blood and eating my flesh stuff. They weren't catching the metaphor thing. You know, they hadn't seen the, the crucifixion yet, and so they weren't sure what to think of it all. And in fact, it messed with, uh, with what they believed. So notice what happens. This is verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. In others, when Jesus started using this metaphor to picture who he is, and that's the critical part, there were were many people, not just some, many of his followers. These are people, thousands of people who have been following him around. Now, many of his followers unfollowed him. They walked away. 
And I think what was going on in their minds was something like this. Hey, Lord, love the miracles, man. Love all the healing, the sick stuff. That's awesome, Lord. And Lord, hey, love the free food. And Lord, love, love the idea of you kicking the Romans out of our country. Love all that stuff. You know, Jesus, we even love all of that love your neighbor stuff. But this, this idea that you came from heaven, that you existed before you were born, and you're going gonna to have to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Jesus, we're out. We're going to unfollow you. Have you ever unfollowed Jesus? Sometimes I think people unfollow Jesus because they go through a season of temptation and they're tempted to believe that another way of life might be better, another belief system would be better. And so they're tempted to unfollow Jesus. Sometimes we unfollow Jesus because we're just going through a transitional season in life. And you know, sometimes it's okay to follow Jesus when everybody around you is following Jesus, but when you go through a transitional phase, maybe you end up around people who aren't following Jesus, and in fact, they're not only not encouraging you to follow Jesus, they're encouraging you not to follow Jesus, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, oh, you know, I just met this, this new guy, and oh, he's so cute, and you know, I've been a follower of Jesus, but he doesn't follow Jesus, and now me following Jesus is getting in the way of the next phase of our relationship, so, you know, I may just click unfollow Jesus. And then some people unfollow Jesus, I think, because they go through a trial in life where they experience some kind of suffering. And, and if they could be honest, they end up disappointed with Jesus or even angry at Jesus because they prayed and they prayed and Jesus didn't answer their prayers with the miracle they asked for and so they get mad at Jesus. Click. And then sometimes I think people unfollow Jesus because they begin to have doubts about what they believe. Like maybe they, they grew up in, in a house where their parents followed Jesus, and so they were following Jesus because their parents were following Jesus, so maybe you grew up Methodist or Baptist or Charismatic or Catholic, and, and you got to an age where you realize, you know, I think my parents have been following Jesus. I've just been following Jesus because they're following Jesus, and I'm not sure what, I, that I believe all of this stuff. And you start, so you start having doubts. Click. There was a time in my life, there was a season in my life you may not know this, where I unfollowed Jesus. I was a believer, but I unfollowed him. I, it, it was when I was a, a senior in high school, I was, so I was going through a life transition. Uh, went to Marshall High School, awesome high school uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, honestly, you know, I had, I had followed Jesus all through my childhood, kept my nose pretty clean, you know, followed his ways and all that stuff. But honestly, some of my friends who didn't follow Jesus, it just looked like they were having more fun in life. And I'm a fun guy, and I like fun. I know you don't think I'm fun, but I'm a fun guy. <laughs> and, and it just looked to me like Christians weren't having fun. These guys were having fun. And so I was questioning my belief system. And also, I was struggling with some doubts. You know, I, I, I got to that place where I was like, you know, I think I've been following Jesus because my parents followed Jesus. I, I'm not sure what, why I believe what I believe about Jesus. And so during that season, click. I'm telling you that part of my story because I think every person who follows Jesus at some point in your journey, you're gonna feel tempted to unfollow him. And there's a question I think you must answer and uh, that you must ask and answer that I think will help you rethink a decision to unfollow Jesus. So let's go back to Jesus. He's at the synagogue now. Remember, many people unfollowed him, which I'm assuming means they left. 
Like they literally left his presence. And so now his attention turns to the 12. These 12 guys that he picked to hand his movement over to. And Jesus can tell, I wonder if they're thinking about leaving too. Because, you know, it's one thing to be a part of a big crowd and the crowds are growing and, you know, and you're one of the 12. And so if Jesus is important in this crowd, you're pretty important in the crowd. Well, now the crowd's uh, shrinking. And they're starting to think, okay, is this a good idea to follow Jesus? So notice the question uh, that Jesus asked. This is John 6, verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. You see, he recognized that they're now processing leaving too, unfollowing him. And I hope you understand the disciples in particular had some reasons they might unfollow Jesus. Because during this time, Jesus had been telling them about what's coming if they follow him. He warned them about opposition, about rejection, about persecution. And then he started talking to them about, hey, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your own cross and follow me. And that sounds pretty painful. And so, you know, they had some reasons to unfollow Jesus. And, And then... You know, Peter, if you've, if you've read through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I normally love look, paying attention to Peter because he normally says the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it just makes me comfortable being me because I, I can do that too. But in this instance, he ends up saying something so profound in response to Jesus. And he responds to Jesus' question with another question. And it's that question that Peter's going to speak that I think every one of us has to answer especially if you're going through a season where you're tempted to unfollow Jesus. Uh, This is uh, 668. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Lord, if I unfollow you, who am I going to go to? You see, in that moment, Peter recognized something so profound, and I want us to get this. If I unfollow Jesus, I start following someone else. Who else am I going to follow? Everyone follows someone. If not Jesus, who are you going to follow? If not the Christian movement, what are you going to follow? And Peter recognizes, Lord, if I unfollow you, who else am I going to follow? And I think this is the question. Whenever, please remember this. Remember this question. Whenever you go through a season where you're Uh, feeling tempted to unfollow Jesus? Ask yourself this question, to whom shall I go? Who am I going to follow if I don't follow Jesus? And I love what Jesus says in response. um, Because you understand, if you unfollow Jesus and you follow someone else, you're taking on a new belief system. And I think you have to ask yourself, if I take on this new belief system, where's it going to take me? What's the destination? We've talked about the destination of where Jesus takes you if you follow him. Are you sure you know uh, the someone else that you might follow, where that, that will take you, what journey you'll be on? Notice what Peter says in response when he gives the reason why he decides not to unfollow Jesus. This is verse 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You get what Peter's saying? He says, Lord, 
Uh, nobody else out there is offering eternal life. <laughs> You're offering eternal life. I'm sticking with you. And Lord, we've seen too much. We've seen the miracles. We've seen you uh, heal a lame person, heal a blind person. We've seen you raise the dead. And that's why we think you can give us everything you're promising us. And all of those things we've seen you do, what we've seen you do, convinces us of who you are. We believe you came from heaven. We believe you're the son of God. And if you're the son of God, who else would we follow? Who are you following? Everyone follows someone. If not Jesus, then who? If not Christianity, then what? Now, I want to tie this all together for us, right? This is very important. When I was presenting this message to my staff, I don't know if you know I do that. I present it to some staff, let them give me feedback, you know, to make sure, you know, it's clear. One of the things they wanted me to talk to you about is the distinction between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Those are two different experiences. Those are two different decisions. And I think when people think they're the same thing, they get, people get really confused. So they wanted me to unpack that. So let me first talk about believing in Jesus. According to Jesus, believing him, believing in who he is, that he is the son of God, that he is the one who has paid your sin debt, that he can forgive your sins and give you eternal life. When you believe in who he is, then your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life and you become a child of God. And once you become a child of God, it's like you can't be unborn. It's like once you're born, you're born. And the Apostle Paul talks about believing in Jesus as a free gift. It costs you nothing. It costs Jesus a lot, but it costs you nothing. It's a free gift that you receive by faith in who Jesus is. That's believing in Jesus. But following Jesus is something different. Following Jesus is about holding on to his teaching. It's about doing what he wants you to do and going where he wants you to go. And following Jesus will be costly at times. And then here's, here's what happens. You're following Jesus, and if it feels embarrassing to follow Jesus, or if it feels costly to follow Jesus, or you start going through a trial in life, or you're feeling tempted in life, and you start having questions, because that's what often happens when you go through transitions and seasons of temptation and trial, you begin to have questions. And maybe you feel like you're not getting an answer to that question. You're thinking, you know, I think I'm going to unfollow Jesus because I'm not getting an answer to my question. I want to I ask you not to do that. Because even though you don't have an answer to your, your, your question right now, doesn't mean that there's not an answer to your question. It just means that you don't have it yet. And you may get it later in this life, and you may not get it until you meet Jesus again. But I just urge you, please don't unfollow Jesus because you have a question that's not answered. Because if you unfollow Jesus, then you start following someone else. And I don't think that's what you want to do. So I, I told you about that season in my life when I <laughs> unfollowed Jesus and I want to try a different way. And so I had a really fun car to drive. And so my buddies would always, you know, we would go to parties together. And, you know, I did everything that people said you need to do to have fun. Went to lots of parties, uh, you know, drank too much. But, you know, that's a whole other thing. And dated lots of girls, did everything you're supposed to do to have fun. And, and here's what I noticed about having fun, is fun only feels fun until the buzz goes away, and then you have to go do something else to get the buzz back. You know what I'm saying? You're always chasing the next buzz. 
And I think what I realized is what I was really craving was joy and peace and purpose in life. Well, anyway, I uh, went to an all-night graduation party that I still can't believe my parents let me go to. And I woke up, you know, drank too much, woke up late the next day, and, and I just started processing my life. And I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything that people tell me I should do to, to, like, feel happy, but I don't feel happy. I just don't feel happy. And instead, I think what I was feeling was guilt, and I didn't treat people real well during those days. I think I was feeling that. And so I was in my bedroom processing, you know, what all had happened. And my mom had given me a present, an unwanted present for graduation. She gave me a Bible. You know how moms do, that passive aggressive thing. They, they give you what they think you want, not what you want. Because what I wanted was an eight track uh, player for my car. And if you don't know what an eight-track player is, well, that's probably good. They're terrible. <laughs> anyway, so my mom gave me a Bible, and, and you know, it was something. I, she, knew, she, she knew what was going on. And I saw that Bible, and I thought, you know, I think I'll give Jesus another chance. I decided to refollow him. And this is what I did. You know, I, I, I wasn't sure fully what to do, but... What I did was every night when I came home, no matter how late it was, I read a chapter from one of the four books that tell the story of Jesus' life and un unpack his teachings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I would read a chapter and then I would just say, Lord, help me follow you. What does this say about following you? And I'm gonna follow you again. And along the way, I did get some answers to some of the questions I had about why I believed what I believed about Jesus. For me, what was critical was the miracles that even his enemies saw and couldn't deny. It was the resurrection that hundreds and hundreds of people saw. They saw him die, they saw him buried, and then they saw him raised to life, and they gave their lives telling others the good news that you can have eternal life by believing in that man. Follow him, believe in him. And so, you know, I got some of my, my questions answered, and I believed and I followed him, and you know what? I, I'm not gonna tell you I'm perfect. You know, I've been honest with you about my struggles, my struggles with anger, and anger is not the only issue. I've struggled in my life. There's been seasons of doubt. I'm just being honest with you. But I can tell you that I feel joy. And I do feel a sense of peace. And I, I feel like I'm living with purpose in life. And that's why I follow Jesus. Everyone follows someone. I'm asking you to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful that you sent your son to the earth, that he came down from heaven, and that you sent him not only to give his life for us, but to give us a new vision for our lives, a new way to see life and live life and experience life. Wow, thank you, Lord God. And my, my prayer for, for some of you, maybe today you're ready to believe in Jesus. Maybe you're at that point you know, where you're like, you know what, Brent, I think I've seen enough too. I, I believe in Jesus. Just say that to him, whisper that to him, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you can forgive me of my sins. I ask you to give me eternal life. And what I'm asking for everybody
Even if you're not sure you, don't, that you believe it, I'm asking everybody, would you consider following him? Would you choose to take the next step? Lord, give us clarity about what the next step of faith is in our journey of following you. What is that? What's the decision we need to take? What's the action we need to do? And then help us, Lord, as we follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.